All right, Rejoicing Grace from Colossians 1. This is lesson number seven, and uh, there's eight verses here, so we'll look at those uh, eight verses together. It says this, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timotheus, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which ye have to all the saints for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which is come unto you as it is in all the world and bringeth forth fruit as it doth also in you since the day ye heard it, heard of it and knew the grace of God in truth. As ye also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. So we are looking at this first uh, in Paul, in the epistle that he's writing here. And we talked about this before, but again, our definition, I'll put this up there every single week, of grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. Whatever God has, we can have through the vehicle of the sacrifice of uh, Jesus Christ on the cross for us. Now, it talks about a person there at the beginning, and that is, or at the end there, verse number seven, and this is Epaphras. He was actually a uh, pastor in the church of Colossae. And so as uh, Paul writes this, the interesting thing about this book is Colossae uh, was the only place that Paul wrote back to that he did not start that church. So he didn't start the church there, um, but when Epaphras came to visit him, he wrote this epistle. It's just a letter, basically, but it's recorded for us, uh, the book of Colossians. And uh, it, he sent it back with Epaphras, uh, the pastor there. And so he took it back to the people there in order to go through uh, that together. Uh, so let's look at this first as we come into uh, the book there. And this is the presence of saving grace, the presence of saving grace. And um, you know what? Oh, I got to do this with you first. Let me, um, let me show you this. Colossians chapter number two. Just go over one page if you could. And let's look at verse number eight and nine. Colossians two, eight and nine. And uh, I'm going to have uh, uh, Jama read this. And then I want to talk about something that's written inside there in the middle. Because I thought it was really interesting and important for our study. So Colossians two, eight and nine says this. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. After the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the God, uh, the Godhead bodily. Okay, good. Now, stare down at verse number eight, okay? It says this Beware lest any man spoil you through the philosophy and vain deceit. Okay, so if someone can spoil you, what does that mean that, you, that you'd have to be? If, if you can be spoiled, then. You'd have to be open. Okay, good. But what what was your state to begin with? Sorry, let me rephrase. What was your state uh, to begin with if you could be spoiled? Unspoiled, right? So if milk spoils, that means that at at some point it was good, right? Uh, I don't know if you've ever, uh, I remember a couple years ago, poured a a big bowl of of cereal and uh, that that expiration date was just one, one day over. 
uh, it looks like the milk new and to turn. And uh, so got a, got a big first bite of that. And man, that was very, very strong uh, because I'm not like a weirdo who smells milk every time before I, I drink it, okay? I just drink the stuff, okay? Um, I did, I did. I prayed, but I did not take away the spoil of the milk. Uh, so uh, the point is, though, obviously, if it's spoiled, that means that it wasn't a, a state, a good state, and then it turned and it spoiled. So what Paul's saying here is he said, look, you started out right, and you're in this church here all together. Don't let somebody else spoil you through, and here's two things that it says, philosophy and vain deceit. After the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Okay, so it's interesting there then, tradition of men. So what would that be? That would be something that people made up outside of the Bible that they carry on as tradition, they say is part of the gospel, okay? but it had no bearing or root in the gospel. I'm going to post a video. I was trying to find the link to be able to share it, but I'll just post a video on our, our Facebook page. Um, but there was a, a, a Catholic priest that was being interviewed, and uh, he, was, he was a leader or whatever, and I, I don't know where he was. But I don't know if he was an arch or whatever else, but he wasn't just a regular priest or whatever. So the question was posed to him, say, okay, so about salvation. What do you think it it means in order to be saved or how, how is a person saved which is a pretty straightforward question I feel like everyone in here could uh, pass that question just about so he took five minutes to answer this question during the five minutes three times um, he cited back to and I'm trying to remember the exact name of it he cited back to a council uh, and their decisions and their writings on something so in other words the basis of the premise of what he's saying of how a person can get saved always went back to a council. Now, what's a council? Uh, they used to have these a whole lot back in the 1600s, 1700s, and the 1800s. They don't happen as much. But it's where a bunch of Catholic priests and up-and-ups got in a room, and they all figured out, and they wrote writings, and they said, okay, this is now our position on this, and they passed that down and things like that. And so he cited three different times, well, because of, because of this council that said this, and he's citing it as gospel. The only problem is it's not gospel, okay? Because we could all get them together in a room and say, we, here's what the Bible thinks. We, we think that we'll write it out. When now this is the way that we have, to, we have to act. And so they take as their position on salvation something that comes from the tradition of men, something that comes from just writings of people, okay? And that's what we say, okay, this is the basis of our salvation. This is what we teach to people. The only problem is, obviously, is that we believe that it has to come from the Bible. And if I can't prove something from the Bible, then I shouldn't be saying it as gospel. I should be saying it as truth. And you shouldn't be taking it from me as truth, okay? If I asked you, hey, well, how do you know that you're saved? If, you, if your sentence starts out, well, Pastor Linentine says, that's an incorrect sentence, okay? Because it shouldn't matter. And I'm glad that you listen to Pastor. That's great. And pay attention to this sermon or whatever. But if you can't take that back to the Bible, then you don't have a, true, a truth worth standing upon and worth making part of what you believe, your core beliefs, okay? And so we need to be able to take things from the Bible and not just from a philosophy or a tradition of men uh, and it says right there, not after Christ. And so that's obviously the difference there. So let's look at this here. Um, the presence of saving grace. When does it start? It commences at faith in Christ. It commences at faith in Christ. And I saw this and I thought it was really good to put in there. Grace is uh, God's part. Faith is our part. So go back to Ephesians 2, 8, 9 in your head. It says this. For by grace are you saved through faith. Okay, so in salvation, there's always two components that are at work. The first one is grace, and the second one is faith. God's grace is that offering of salvation. 
Faith is my acceptance of that offering. Okay? Uh, in here we have, we have a, a realtor. Okay? And if you were going to buy or transact a house, okay, there would first someone that would need to take, would make an offer on a house. Okay? But then that seller needs to accept that offer. Okay? And so there, it's two parties. One party needs to say, okay, we agreed to buy this. Other person says, okay, we'll agree at that price for you to buy it. And then the transaction can happen. For our salvation, God extended grace. Now, who did he extend grace to? Who was that offering made to? Everyone. To all. John 3.16. Again, I'm going to say the Bible because I'm not going to say, well, we all met together as a church staff and here's what we think that we should say, okay? Because, uh, because Kurt and Mark and Josh, and first off, I mean, you know, you're not believing anything that Kurt says, right? But uh, we wouldn't just take the, the people's word on things, okay? So for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So God's grace is offered to all, but is it received by all? No. So then it comes back to there are people who use their faith to receive that. And there are people who reject that and say, okay, well, I'm going to get to heaven another way or through myself or my baptisms or whatever else. So there's always two components in salvation. God's grace, freely given to all, and then our faith, okay, in order to receive that. Uh, And I say that because sometimes uh, it's it's easy to get confused sometimes. Or if you listen to somebody, you need to be able to identify when someone's trying to sell you a false bill of goods. Okay. Okay. Commences that faith in Christ. How many of you have ever heard of uh, Martin Luther? He was in 18, 1483, it's probably hard to read, through 1546. And Martin Luther was brought up in the Catholic Church all the way through, and he became a priest. And then uh, one day, he's reading through uh, the, the book of Hebrews, and he's reading it, reading it, reading it, and he's seeing again that it's by faith, it's by faith, it's by faith. And so he determines that what he's being taught is not correct. And so he writes out 95 things that he sees that are wrong with the Catholic Church. And he takes that one night and he nails it on the door of the church and put his name to it. And so he gets cast out because of that. And the priest of this video I'm going to show you, he said, look, we would have had no problem um, if, if, if Martin Luther would have said graced first and then followed by actions. But he said grace alone can save. And that's where we had the problem. And that's why... Uh, we, we rejected uh, his teaching. But of course, Martin Luther was correct because the Bible teaches what he came to the clu- conclusion of, and that's that it's not grace first and then a lot of other stuff, but it's grace alone. Grace is the only thing uh, that God offers in order for us to be saved. And then it continues through eternity. Obviously, our saving grace is something that you cannot lose, okay? In a heavenly home, and then for all who believe. Now, to be clear, and we talked about this before, okay? Once someone gets saved, they accept Jesus Christ as their Savior, can they do anything to lose that salvation? No. We'll take it home, though. I got saved. Let's say I got saved at 12 years old, okay? But later on in my life, I took my own life. Did I just know my salvation? No, I did not. Because once I get saved, that transaction is sealed, not on my side of things, but on God's side of things. Romans 6.23, right? For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So I cannot lose my salvation. Now you say, well, that makes a lot, a lot of sense. There are thousands upon thousands of people in our town that believe because their church teaches them that you can lose your salvation. And so you must... You must believe, but then also you need to keep yourself up to a certain level, you know, sort of like a license for insurance or whatever else, right? I got to retest and I, I got to keep up my credentials or I'll lose that thing. And so they believe that there's constantly a reevaluation on whether or not you are saved at that moment. 
And you can challenge. You can ask them and say, okay, well, right now, do you think that you're saved? And they'll never have a clear answer. Well, I really hope so. I, th- I think that I am. And so they have something that never teaches that they have a no for sure, a, an assurance of that salvation. Next up here, we're talking about something near and dear to a lot of people's hearts, right? And that is singing, amen? Singing. Let's go over to Ephesians chapter number five. This is a really great verse on, uh, on music. Ephesians chapter number five. All right, Ephesians chapter number five, 18 and 19 says this. <clears throat> it gives us the counter here. I love these verses. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be what? Filled with the Spirit. Now, why in the world of all of the things that the Holy Spirit could be compared to, why in the world is it comparing it to alcohol in this passage? Because if you read that passage, it kind of comes out of nowhere. We're not talking about uh, drinking in this passage. We're not talking about really even even anything sin related or whatever and it just comes out of nowhere in 18 it says look don't be drunk with wine don't don't be drunk with alcohol okay wherein is excess and there is there's waste to that obviously but it says in turn be filled with the spirit what's the correlation between those two things because that came out of left field they control you there you go it controls you so if i'm filled with the love of the holy spirit it's going to make me do things that i would not do on my own or natural or when I'm not right with God or when I'm not filled with the Spirit? What would be something that the Holy Spirit would empower me to do that would be something I wouldn't just naturally do on my own? Witness to others. Boom. Power to witness to other people. Walk up to somebody that you do not know, hand them a gospel tract, say, I want you to come to my church. On the back there's some verses that can talk to you about how you can know for sure you go to heaven. How many of that's just naturally your personality just to approach people all the time? You do not know them, or maybe you know them a little bit. Even people we know constantly, we talk football about, talk sports, how are the kids, whatever, whatever, whatever. It's hard for us to make that turn and say, here's a spiritual thing. It's hard for us to do that. But if I'm filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, amen, I got God working inside me. That's going to be something that I'm going to do. What's another thing? Well, related to this, it's going to go in the next verse right there. And it's, it's actually going to draw us back down into singing. Into singing. Now, when we lead song service out here, it's the norm. And I've been in other churches. Uh, when you go to other churches, it's not the norm for people to be participating in the song service. And that, the song portion of it. In fact, the more attention, this is, what I've, this is what I've noticed. And just put this into factoring it when you're choosing a church. The more attention that is placed during, during congregational worship, they would call it this, okay? The more attention that's placed on the people on stage that are participating, the less participation in the audience. Right. Me and my wife go to, an, go to another church because, you know, whenever you go visit family, you go to other churches, right? And the norm in a church like that where there's a lot happening on stage is that most people out in the audience are just kind of sitting there like this, especially the guys, now, there's all the people out there that are like, I mean, they're like way too into yeah, it, okay? Yeah. But I'm looking around because yeah. I'm out of my comfort zone, okay? I'm out of my comfort zone being there, right? And so automatically, if a guy's out of his comfort zone, his hands are in his pocket. I don't know why we do that, guys, but it's just a thing. And so I'm out there, you know, kind of like, okay, I mean, I don't know the songs, you know? I mean, they're up there, but it's, it's kind of new to me, right? And I'm just trying not to, to have, an, a, a, you know, like a stroke or whatever from the lights and different things like that. So I'm just kind of minding my own business out there. And I look around, though, there's low, low, low participation now i lead songs around here 
on a Sunday morning before, if, if Mark's sick and Donald's sick and three people are out of town, I'm like the fifth option on a Sunday morning. Uh, and Jama can't be there that week, all right? And Brandon, Brandon's not wearing a tie or something like that. I might be like the seventh or eighth. I'm pretty deep in that rotation, okay? Uh, but I'm on the team at some point, right? I'm like, it's me and then Kurt right past me. And so I'll get up there and I'll lead the song sometimes, okay? And even with a, a packed out audience, okay, the participation still is high. Now... They'll, there are a couple people out there, and, and they just they kind of stand, they just look at the floor or whatever else, and it's awkward for them. But if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, man, you have no problem singing that out, even if you feel like you're not the best singer in the world. Right. Now, honestly, I don't care if you get up there with a mic and you sing out in front of everybody. For, now, if God's giving that talent and that's something you like doing and you're passionate about, praise the Lord for that. But everybody should be participant in the fact that, man, I, I want to sing because I'm at a spot spiritually where I'm going to do that. Now, how many, how many school parents do I have in here? One, two, three, four, five. Okay, right. There you go. Now, where this is not true, and, and you can tell that you have a different audience, okay? Every once in a while, Mark will ask me to lead the opening congregational song at parent night. And I finally told him, I'm like, I can't do it. Because I'm, I'm too, like, sarcastic and forceful to be the one doing it. Because there's, so, there's such little participation out there. There's people just, like, kicking their on their phones or whatever else. And it, 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 makes, me, it makes me feel sad. And so I, I don't, I, I get a little bit like, come on now, everybody, sing it out. Like I make it a little bit too, li- little bit too much. Yeah, because I want to just go down there like, what's wrong with you, man? Like, sing out for Christ, you know? And so Mark said like, it's all right, I'll just put Josh up there, whatever. Or if you'll see me, if I have to do it, I just stare like at the top of the, all right. So like on the second, I don't, because I can't look around. Because it's something that, that gets me, uh, uh, is the word passionate, right? Yeah. If you're trying not to use the word mad. Passionate, there you go. I'm passionate about like people being engaged with it, right? Because if God has saved you, he gave you a home in heaven, right? He forgave you of your sins. You never have to die and go to hell. He gives you abundant blessings. He gave you kids. He gave us a good life. We had food this morning. Y'all are wearing clothes, praise the Lord. Like we don't have to worry about those things. God's been really good to us. And so in my opinion, the least I could do, even if I'm not a good singer, okay, or whatever, that's a relative term, is just try to be engaged, say, okay, Lord, I'm going to sing about your grace, about your goodness, about whatever it is. And so the Bible says here, look, don't be influenced by something that might make you, you know, be stupid or be, you know, whatever else. A lot of times, uh, an incident happened, you know, well, what happened? Uh, was it, you know, what happened? A car accident or whatever? Well, you know, someone was drunk or on, on influence of alcohol or drugs or something like that. There was a, a boy that got uh, 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 shot up in, in Rio Rancho a couple of weeks ago, and it was, it was because it was, it was involved in drugs and things, and somebody got mad about something on all the details or whatever else. But that's an influence, obviously, it would make people to do the wrong things. What it's saying is, instead, let's be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, and that's going to come out. Speaking to ourselves, look at verse number 18 together here, or 19, sorry. Speaking to yourselves, okay, so that's amongst ourselves here, in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. And then verse number 20, it says it continues on into giving thanks uh, always for the things, uh, uh, for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves uh, unto one another in the fear of the Lord. Now I want you to pay attention to something really closely, okay? 18, 19, 20, and then it ends on 21, okay? The end of all those verses has colons, right? Is it, is it a colon or a semicolon? Sure, you teach English. Semicolon. Okay, all right. Sorry, I always get those two confused, and I really shouldn't because it's easy. So um, it ends with semicolons, meaning that the thought is continuing. Okay, so watch this. 
If I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, verse number 18, okay, number 19, I'm going to be singing, expressing myself in hymns, spiritual songs, making melody to the Lord, okay, giving up thanks. Number 20, I'm going to give thanks for all things unto God. In other words, I'm going to cut out the grumbling, okay, and, and about this or that or whatever else. My default position is going to be thankfulness, gratitude, and a positive spirit, if I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, all right? And then number 21, what's the last thing I'm going to do? I'm going to submit myself unto what? One another in the fear of the Lord. Now, whenever we talk about submission, there's always like that. You're just talking to the ladies. With the, there's actually more references for us to submit to one another. In other words, an equal preferring one another. In other words, hey, you go first. That's what that is. Just it's simply an aligned thing. I will prefer you. Your needs to be met before my needs are met. So I will be singing. I'll have a joyful attitude. I'll be thankful, a heart of thankful, a positive heart. And then lastly, I'll submit. I will be in submission to other people and wanting their needs to be taken first if... I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, if I'm not filled with the Holy Spirit, even as a Christian, I won't have a a heart of of thankfulness. I won't have praise on my lips. And I will not want to put other people first. That's the natural. That's who we are naturally. Even though we're saved, that's still our natural flesh. Me first, sarcastic, negative, right? That kind of thing. Because I'm not willing to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So we should let those things be abundant in our life. And they will be uh, once we're filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay? So here's why. Because of a heart of peace. Why can I have uh, singing? Because of a heart of peace. And then next, uh, because of a heart of gratitude. And I will go back to this talking point. If anyone wants to add to this above that, it says right there, how powerful do you think music really is and what does it control? And then uh, lastly here, because of a heart filled with God's word. So these things will be abundant in my life as I submit more and more to the Holy Spirit and be filled with his presence is peace and then gratitude uh, when I'm filled with uh, God's word. So is there anyone that has anything um, above that? How powerful do you think music really is and what does it control? Yes, sir. Bobby. Also, everything. That's a good answer. Because <laughs> we have... It's probably the right answer, too. We have, we have music influences you in the morning when you go to work. You have your radio on. Mm-hmm. You know, it depends on what kind of music you listen to. I remember when I used to listen to rap, I used to be so hyped and angry for some reason because of all these curse words and stuff in it. Right. Then I get to Sunday, I'm back listening to church music. So then I humble myself down a little bit because music brings your spirit down to a certain point. Right. So I was flip-flopping back and forth. I like this, but I want to do this. But it controlled so much of my emotion. That's good. Rebecca? Also, music is universal. It's, um, mm-hmm. No matter what language you speak, you can understand it. It mm-hmm. you know, messes with your emotion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's universal. That's good. And I think it's something that everyone can participate with, no matter what level you're at, whether you say good or bad, or mm-hmm. whatever's the intent of your heart. Bobby, yes. I'll come on to you. So, um, sorry. sorry, go ahead, Bobby. I bet. So when before Scott and I started going to church, Scott was listening to one of the 
Christian music stations locally. And I didn't realize it. And he didn't realize it. I was like, wow, there's some really cool music on this station. And I started like, figuring out, I was like, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> so, so he was listening to that. Um, I started listening to some music. We decided we were going to go look for a church. And, and now it's where if we get nostalgic and throw the, um, the radio and the Jeep onto like an 80s station, Cassidy's like, Mom, please, can we just listen to Christian music? And she comes home from school, or a, a, music, a song will pop on. She's like, oh, me and all the girls in my class were singing the same song today. Amen. So it's nice that, you know, it really does influence, and, and it's good for the kids. And they don't want to listen to the other music. They want to listen to Christian music. Absolutely. Yes, sir. Um, everybody's kind of already mentioned the spiritual aspect of it and the emotional aspect of it. Music also um, physiologically changes the way your brain um, processes information. Mm -hmm. So it's like classical music or, or Christian music. Yeah, those are kind of similar in rhythm and um, the, the way your brain waves process information is completely different when it's uh, rock music or rap or something like that. So. Right. And we all know this on a fundamental level. It's just when we get older, we think we can handle, you know, it or whatever. It's you wouldn't you wouldn't put your. I mean, we have a baby. We we don't lock her in a room listening to rap at night. You know, um, I mean, there's a reason why you, they're playing classical or or Baby Einstein, our favorite YouTube channel, uh, things like that. Because uh, there is there is a component of brain development, and everything. And by the way, it affects all of us. It really does. So that's good stuff. All right, hope it didn't cut anybody off. But okay, good. Now on the last. Uh, on the uh, last one. Okay, hey, so uh, I'll give you this challenge, right? And I've, I issued this challenge before, okay? But if you are listening to, and if you're someone who listens to music quite often or whatever, okay? Um, if you swap that out, and if you, if you don't listen to it for 30 days, okay? You're gonna raise your sensitivity level to the Holy Spirit. So do this instead. Listen to Bible on the way to work, okay? Or listen to preaching on the way to work, or listen to something else. Just stay away from music for 30 days, and then come back to it and tell me if, if, you really think that all of these different types of music are honoring to the Lord, okay? That's between you and God. We're all adults here. Um, but I do believe that, uh, that there's a lot of music with the themes that it talks about and different things like that. Like you're sitting there going like, oh man, he's never gonna say anything about country. I would, for sure, I would say something about it because the themes of music is important, okay? And I believe that it's very important for us to know and understand that in our life. Anton? And this is just on, on a side note on the outside of music, like movies and stuff. Yeah. Um, I found, you know, when like movies I used to watch, you know, you think, oh, it's something like PG-13 or something. Have your child sit down with you and then watch it with your children, and then you're like, oh, you, you just see it totally different. Right. It, it really is a, it's a big, you, you remember, oh, yeah, it's a good movie. Yeah, let's all sit down and watch it. Then you're like, two minutes in, like, whoa, like, you know what I mean? We got another 105 minutes of this. Like, wow. Right, so, right. I mean, you know, it really changes your perspective, you know? Yeah. So the music's the same, same thing. You know, you think of music and like, so you can even sit with your children. And it's like, oh, wait a minute. Maybe it's not as, like, I remember it. You know? Right. Or if you're me, try recommending it to your dad, you know, and then be like, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, can I remember this by you? All right. <laughs> yeah, you can listen to that one. <laughs> uh, three right there. The purpose of speaking grace. So obviously there is, there is, there's a singing aspect we talked about, okay, uh, which, which uh, comes down to filled with the Holy Spirit. And last year, this is speaking grace. What this is, okay, is this is communicating uh, to other people the grace that we receive from God. Yeah. Now, we've said this a hundred times, okay, but I can only give to someone else 
what I've received for myself. Right. All right. So if I want to be a positive influence, if I want to be uh, giving out the Holy Spirit, giving out grace and different things like that, I need to be receiving that from God or else uh, my, my tank's on zero. I don't have any for me and I don't have enough to help somebody else. And that's obviously a big part of the Christian life. So two things. Anton said this already, uh, being filled with the Holy Spirit. But the first one is grace to speak the gospel. Speaking the gospel to other people, um, that obviously is an, an eternal uh, truth there. And I'll just say this again on this point. Uh, all of us one day when we're in heaven, we're going to wish that we witnessed to people more. We're going to wish that we gave out the gospel, that we had the guts uh, to, to tell uh, someone else that we, that we thought was lost, we didn't know if they were saved or whatever else, that we had the guts to witness to them, to give them a track at least, to, to ask them about their spiritual condition. We're all going to wish, myself, every single one of us, that no matter what level we were, that we did this more frequently. We can agree with that. So just take that into this week and just know I need to be a witness because at some point um, that week's going to be your last week at whatever point that is, okay? But it's appointed unto man wants to die and after that the judgment, right? Uh, and the next, grace to encourage others. So if by A right there you want to put lost, okay? So we speak the gospel to the lost, obviously. But encouraging others, that's primarily to the saved. That's primarily people that Right? We're here with. That doesn't mean you can't be nice to everybody. Obviously, you should. But if I know someone's lost, the most important thing I could be telling them, obviously, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. If I know that they're saved, the most important thing I could be doing is being a positive influence, speaking encouragement into their life. Now, I want to pass this around uh, in about uh, 